We've all seen robotic surgery in science fiction movies. How's it working in real life for prostate cancer patients? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and our guest is Dr. Ash Tawari, Director of Robotic Prostatectomy and Prostate Cancer, Urologic Oncology Outcomes at the Brady Urology Institute, and Associate Professor of Public Health and Outcomes at the Weill Medical College at Cornell University. He's an associate attending at the New York Presbyterian Hospital, and Dr. Tawari joins us to talk about robotic surgery for prostate cancer. Dr. Tawari, welcome to Reach MD. Thanks for having me here. It's an honor. So tell me, what are patients most concerned about when they're deciding what type of prostate cancer treatment to undergo? Cancer removal, urinary incontinence, erectile dysfunction? What, what are all the issues? I think all three. It's kind of a decision between whether they want to have all the cancer cured versus the urinary control or the sexual function. And I kind of sum it up that this is in one surgery where balance is the key balance between getting an optimal outcome in terms of cancer control and also being able to retain other functional aspects. I think that's what we are trying to achieve and that's what patients have most concerns about. And so what are their options when they're talking about this? What are the panoply of options that a patient might consider? Patients who are considering robotic surgery basically have an early prostate cancer which has been picked up either based on the PSA or uh, something abnormal was felt by the physician, and they have undergone a biopsy, and the biopsy shows that they have a cancer. So this is a cancer, we call it an early prostate cancer, and patients can have two broad varieties of treatments. One, they can either not do anything and do a watchful waiting, or B, they can do something aggressive about it. The patients who are considering robotic usually are the patients who are considering something active for their cancer, and that could either be in terms of radiation or also could be in terms of any kind of surgery. And robotic happens to be one of those surgical treatment options. How do surgeons document cancer removal and why is it there seems to be an advantage to the robotic surgery techniques? The documentation of the cancer removal is done based on actually studying the specimen, the whole organ when it comes out, and that organ gets inked by an particular uh, coloring agent so that we know exactly where the surface of the cancer is and then we cut it into pieces and see how far cancer cells are coming to the surface. Essentially what it means that if the cancer cells are away from the inked area, that is a surrogate that they have a negative margin, meaning that they have all the cancer taken care of. How robotic fits in into this equation, it's basically you make very small incisions in patient's abdomen, fill it up with a gas, magnify the field, dissect the prostate from the surrounding tissue, dissect it from the bladder, disconnect it from the urethra, and reconnect the bladder back to the urethra. Prostate as in one piece comes out, gets packed into a plastic bag inside the body, and then it's sent to the pathology. And I think the magnification and the lack of the bleeding are asset for a surgeon who's trying to achieve these goals. 
So when you send the specimen to the pathologist, is it flash frozen and do they look at it right then while you're in there so you know whether you have to do more surgery or are you done at that point? No, actually we're not done. That's a great point because uh, once the specimen is gone, what is left in the body, certain part of the field may look suspicious. And if it is indeed suspicious, an experienced eye can pick that up, take a nibble of that, send it for a flash frozen, get the report back within 10 to 20 minutes, and then act accordingly. If there is more cancer, we've got to take that out. What are the issues with incontinence when you do this robotic surgery, and how quickly will a patient know of these future consequences? I think the continence is one of the major concerns which patients have. And basically for an audience, I can summarize that the lack of being able to have in control on urine leakage is known as incontinence. And it happens because the prostate is sitting in between the bladder and the controlling mechanism, what we call an sphincter. That sphincter is very close to the tip of the prostate, the apex of the prostate. And when any kind of surgery is being done, that area comes dangerously close to the cancer area and sometimes gets damaged, sometimes get cut or stretched. And all of that gives patient a poor control of urination. Whether we do that with an open or with the robot, we need to preserve that sphincter as much of an sphincter which can be preserved, considering that we are doing a cancer operation. That is what finally decides how much of an control this patient will have. Then there are certain tricks which we can do. And at Cornell, we have been working on this continence mechanism. And basically what we do is to do the reconstruction as if a plastic surgery is being done both behind and in front of the area where prostate used to live. So that at the end of the day, bladder is connected to the urethra and also the surrounding muscular and the fascial structures are also reinforced. It actually brings the vesicourethral junction higher up into the abdominal cavity. It closes better, it is well supported, the urine leaks go down, and patients, at least in our hand, are getting an earlier return of continence once we do this procedure. We call it total reconstruction of anatomical structures. So we have done in about 700 of these patients, and patients seem to be doing quite well. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and I'm speaking with Dr. Ash Tawari, Director of Robotic Prostatectomy and Prostate Cancer, Urologic Oncology Outcomes at the Brady Urology Institute, and Associate Professor of Public Health and Outcomes at the Weill Medical College at Cornell University about robotic surgery for prostate cancer. So, how often do patients end up with incontinence, and how soon does it tend to resolve? I think patients in a longer run have got about 2 to 3% chance that they will be incontinent for life. Initially, most patients have some issues, but every week or two, things get better. And by three to six months, approximately over 90% of the patients get their urine control back. Let's talk about the other big issue men have during prostatectomy, and that is potency issues. How long do they take to resolve, and how often do they occur for men? I think it's a major concern which men have, and the age group in which we see patients, they are anywhere between 40s and 50s and 60s, and even in 70s, patients are quite active sexually before surgery. And since these nerves which controls sexual function 
happens to be traveling very close to the prostate. In fact, they are almost embedded into the wall of the prostate capsule. So they can get damaged, and they can especially get damaged if cancer is trying to sneak out what we call an extra prosthetic extension, meaning the microscopic cells are seeping through the wall of the capsule, and they are coming very close to the nerves. So therefore, sexual dysfunction can happen. But in the best-case scenario in which patient is doing very well before surgery, patient has a cancer which is very unlikely to be extending outside, and we can quantify that by that early PSA, early Gleason, early stage. That cancer, we can do certain modifications in nerve sparing that up to 87, 90% of the patients can get sexual function back, and it can take anywhere between six months to nine months up to a year for this function to come back. We must note that 87% is in one of the best-case scenarios. If the patient has a more advanced cancer or if patient doesn't have a very high level of sexual activity before getting into the surgery, the results are little short of this best-case scenario. Rate for us the difference between conventional surgery and robotic surgery in these erectile dysfunction or incontinence outcomes. Which is better, and does it help with how quickly those things resolve? I think instead of comparing between the two kinds of surgeries, the most important factor in the recovery of these two functions, and for that matter, getting all the cancer out, is the surgeon. Many studies have shown surgeons who focus on one particular operation do it many times a week, keep modifying and refining the technique, they tend to have better results. Whether they use a robot or they don't use a robot, I think the results are more surgeon-dependent than just a technology-dependent. The results which I have quoted for me happens to be with the robot, and I seem to like it. So how safe is robotic prostatectomy? Are there any issues that a surgeon needs to understand or a patient needs to understand that's specific to that? I think like any surgery, robotic surgery is a very humbling surgery. Patient goes through an anesthesia. Patient has an invasion in his body. Patient can have bleeding and 2 to 3% of the patients can have some kind of a complication. But mostly this is a reasonably safe procedure. What happens is that the patient comes to the hospital on the day of the surgery they get a surgery for two to three hours. They stay in hospital for overnight, and then they are walking almost a mile or two a day after surgery. They will be going home with the catheter. They come back about seventh day, and at that time, the detailed pathology is back, and the catheter gets taken out. Catheter we have taken out even three days and four days and five days also, but that's about a norm. And then patient can go back to the work in about two to three weeks. Patients do have some inconveniences because of surgery and all the catheter, but they usually can tolerate pain reasonably well for a few days. And beyond that, they usually don't need any kind of pain medication. We uh, perform the surgery up to 600 times a year, and we have been working on refining the technique, the outcomes, and uh, certain refinements so that the patients experience a positive outcome. Are there patients who are not candidate for robotic surgery? There are certain patients who are not candidate for robotic surgery. It's difficult to quantify that is there a set rule that that patient will not be a candidate, but I'll give you what my gut feeling is. Patient who has had multiple, multiple, multiple abdominal operations, and I'm not talking about hernia, I'm not talking about appendix, I'm not talking about the gallbladder surgeries. 
I'm not talking about small one single abdominal surgery. There are certain patients who have had colonic resections times two or had major abdominal peritonitis or stuff like that. These are the patients who are not the best candidate for a robotic surgery. Future physicians might be well-trained by playing video games right now because surgeons are using more technology every day to improve patient outcomes. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Ash Tawari, Director of Robotic Prostatectomy and Prostate Cancer Urologic Oncology Outcomes at the Brady Urology Institute and Associate Professor of Public Health and Outcomes at the Weill Medical College at Cornell University for talking to us about robotic surgery for prostate cancer. I'm attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, your host on Clinician's Roundtable. You've been listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.